how do you find a leader from a sales group where there's like that succession planning where you want to, you're at the very top, but you want a couple sales leaders beneath you to manage all the salespeople below you. Like, how do you go about building that team? So I think like you don't leave it the chance. You, you as a leader, me, say, for example, you, you have to be an empowering leader. And what an empowering leader does is a leader that creates leaders that leads leaders and, and so on, however many layers there are. And, and by doing that, you delegate a lot. You give people responsibilities. Um, you, you make them learn on the fly. Let them learn like through mistakes and minimize that learning curve. So when they do take my role, that there's almost no like bad transition time. So instead of just waiting for a leader to emerge is you build everybody. Uh, and, and that's kind of my approach. Like I, I give away a lot of responsibilities. I have them manage up. I have them do my job. And then I try to do my boss's job. Uh, uh, and, okay, so. and, it, and, it, and it leads to that next player up mentality. If something opens up, you know, in the corporate world, things change like real, real quick. Um, you have to have people on the bench ready to go so that the company doesn't miss a step if they have a new person. So you have to like be very, very proactive in building everybody that you come across. So it sounds like you went the Deion Sanders route. Like, it sounds like that's your strategy. Go there, you know, replace the team with people um, that you think will actually, that want to do it, that want to be there. Yeah, exactly. My philosophy is no C players. You have to have that mentality and be realistic is not everyone's going to be an A player. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't have it in them. But if you have A's and B's and no C's, things are going to be great for you. So you're going to have A's and B's. Okay. Uh, but if there's no C players, if there's people that are engaged, people on board, people that want to promote, and if they don't want to promote, just do your job. Well, I was going to ask, uh, so is commission alone not enough to motivate or weed out people? Like, if people are not making money, they're going to leave. They're going to make more money. Some people will be incentivized. I know I would by selling more. Is that not the kind of structure you're working with over there? So the corporate world in California is a little different. Some people, some people are fine with just getting their base salary, just getting by like at the edge of their mm -hmm. teeth. Yep. Mm -hmm. So those I would consider the C players. Three balls, two strikes, pressure is on. This is where we discuss real estate, property improvement, and business. Together we'll strategize on how to win. Welcome to the full count. Hey, what's going on everyone? I have a friend here named Sway. I've known him for quite a long time now and he's one of the best salespeople I've ever came across and managers and I just wanted to go ahead and bring him on because he's a regional sales director so he manages a ton of people under him and I think it'd be very important for us to all know how to take those tips and apply it to our day-to-day -day, whether it's personal life or career. All right Sway I want to ask you a lot about the tips for sales and how to manage people. Chris and I are so you know interested in that subject matter because it can be applied to pretty much anything. But first, I want to get your take on the World Series, how it ended. I know you're a big baseball fan like us. You're a Dodger fan, which neither one of us are, Chris nor I. But we want to get your take on, you know, how the World Series ended and any rising stars that you saw that um, you see for the future you're excited about. Hey, the, I know that the viewership of the World Series is probably the all-time low, but I thought it was a wonderful World Series. I, I just wish it would have gone six or seven games instead of ending at five, yeah. but absolutely loved seeing Corey Seager. I'm a little biased, of course, because I want to see him do well. But man, they have some some absolute dynamite players on that team. Uh, Garcia, unfortunately, he didn't get to play that last game. Yeah. Uh, what's his Carter as well? 
Um, they're just stacked. And I, I feel like the Rangers, we're going to see a lot more of the Rangers doing deep postseason runs going forward. But awesome series. I was going to say I liked game one and game two a lot. And then obviously after that, I got out of hand. Yeah, when did um, Garcia get injured? Was it the third game, I believe, his back? I think it was game four. four. So he didn't get a play in game five. Yeah. But you got to celebrate, so. Yeah, I, I was quite that convinced that he was going to – I mean, this kind of tells you how I don't know a whole lot about you know baseball currently, especially mm-hmm. on the Rangers. But I figured as soon as he was injured with that back injury, automatically the Rangers were probably going to lose because I felt like he carried the team. But I also yep. knew Corey Seager had a big – pillar in that you know on the field to get them uh, all the home runs in but i still didn't think that they were going to do very well but you know i was totally wrong and i'm happy about that yeah and it's crazy on the biggest stage of your life you don't get to to perform so it had to have been a very bad injury if you know painkillers wouldn't wouldn't allow i know i i would have thought you know he would have taken some type of painkillers to some extent and at least participated a little bit at the very last game you, know, yeah, you always hear stories of like athletes taking a bunch of Vicodin in the back, you know, just yeah. to make it through a game. Kind of like, um, what's his name? Um, I'm blanking here. The uh, athletic A's, uh, Jose Canseco. You know, yep. he, I read his book, Juiced, and besides steroids, he said a bunch of baseball players were on a ton of painkillers all the time, among many other uh, types of things that would make them perform really well so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surprised that adolis garcia didn't do anything like that but who knows maybe he he was doing some things right yeah yeah i think that there's probably a lot more lawsuits these days when it comes to stuff like that so maybe every league has kind of calmed down but who knows right and Corey seager um sway i wanted to ask you about that because he was a dodger did you see mm-hmm. at the end of the press conference how a reporter asked him why the dodgers traded him and you saw his uh reaction you know what I thought about that? I thought of like, what an asshole reporter that. Beautiful cell phone beer. Hey, Corey, I'm just going to ask you the question that I get texted most, especially this whole series. Why did the Dodgers let you go? Uh, I don't know. Other questions? We'll go to Evan. You don't have an answer? Corey, to ask a question like that, yeah. like one of the greatest moments of his life when the Dodgers are in the rear view mirror, he doesn't think about that. You think It's like, Right. If you were to ask, hey, what do you think about your high school, your middle school? It's so far in the past. Like, it's not something that's that's front of mind. I, I just thought that reporter was was Bush League for, for doing something like that. He took it like champ. I mean, he didn't curse him out. He didn't say anything. He kind of just looked around. And I was. it, it kind of showed the testament to his leadership and his classiness because I've seen people try to equate him to an extent of Derek Jeter. I don't know if you agree with that, being the shortstop leader of the team. What do you guys think? Jeter hated the media, right? He never did interviews. He just like, hey, I just care about performing on the team. That's right. kind of a secret. He's a quiet dude. Um, who knows what he's like in real life, but he goes about, he does his business um, and he does it well. He just doesn't want to do the extra stuff, which that's fair. It's like Marshawn Chris, Lynch said, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> I'm here so I won't get fined. I'm here so I won't get fined. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have uh, seen Derek Jeter on the, um, you know, doing the sports casting. Have you guys seen how he's been performing as a speaker? Uh, I see Big Boppy next to him, and he's not really doing the best that I would have expected in terms of like the humor, like, mm-hmm. you know, catching along with, with Big Poppy. But 
I don't know if that's just me or it just happened to be the stories I came across on TikTok and Instagram where people are pointing that out because before I didn't notice that. I thought Derek Jeter was doing a great job, but people said he's a little bit dry. Well, I think that they're both like reactionaries, Big Poppy and uh, Derek Jeter. I mean, they just recently went viral on the internet with um, the magician that showed up into the studio. Oh, yeah. And their reactions, I mean, alone, they've probably got millions of clips on that. You should look that up. I did. I saw that. But I still didn't think Derek Jeter was as fun as he could have been. But maybe, like Sway was saying, he's a bit serious. He never liked being on camera. But now that he's retired, he's you know mm -hmm. embracing that and, and becoming a new person in a way. Go ahead, Sway. I think it's going to be more engaging. There was that one clip where – Big Poppy brought up those cowboy hats and had a yeah, wear it, and he refused to wear it. It was like, hey, play the game a little bit, be fun. See, that's look, what I'm talking about. How are we doing, Poppy? Oh, we all oh, great. Awesome. Let me. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> New Yorkers don't hey, wear these. Let me see. You look... New Yorkers don't do this. Dominican Garth Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you look like my man from, from Toy Story. <laughs> Woody. <laughs> Woody. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> I, that's actually I, pretty good. I, I, can't. I saw that. He's like, no, no, us New Yorkers don't wear cowboy hats. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell, dude? Like, try and be a little bit more fun. But besides that, I, I think he's been doing okay. Um, I think Alex Rodriguez, though, what do you guys think of him? Because I've heard rumor that he might go to management now, potentially. I don't know if you heard that for hitting, okay. hitting coach. All right. I mean, it sounds like it's part of his traje trajectory. You know, he's that type of guy. He's, you know, he's buttoned up. Yeah, I mean, I've seen on Instagram reels and things like that, too, that he's, like, always giving tips on how to bat. And I wish when I was mm -hmm. playing baseball, I could have seen that type of stuff. But in general, that wasn't really out there during that time. Even on YouTube, it was, like, very brand new at the time. But um, now that he's providing all this information, I'm hoping that, you know, the youth, of the generation wants to embrace baseball, especially now that they did the 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 new like uh, time management for hitting and the games are going a lot quicker. I think that might improve the game overall. Hopefully, yeah, I think like with baseball, it's one of those sports you have to grow up with. You don't really mm -hmm. see too many new fans, and this could be one of those ways of bringing new. Fans. That would help, especially with Big Boppy there too. Just, as yeah. long as Derek Jeter doesn't freaking uh, ruin it for him, but I, I think that'll be good. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the NBA, they have Charles Barkley and Shaq, and they have a really good crew with Ernie, and that's probably what they're trying to replicate in the MLB world. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, you got to get more goofballs on that mm -hmm. on that squad. I think Jeter's too dry for that. You got to you got to <laughs> yeah. connect with the young. With I the think young it should people. be reversed. I mean, people. Alex Rodriguez should take the place of Derek Jeter, more of the spotlight with Big Poppy. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is just an idea. And then Derek Jeter goes into management because I feel like he would do really well with that. And that's something I like about you both, Sway and Chris. You guys are very funny, have a lot of humor, and that's why I get along with you. You guys have both different types of personalities in your humor. I tend to be a little bit more on the drier side, but that's why I like having you guys both on to participate. And, and we'll get into that too, uh, Sway, about your sales and how you added humor and charisma to it. Um, but I want to go ahead and shift over to the Dodgers. Like, what's going on with that, man? I mean, the World Series, they've gone to it they won it recently and i don't know i just see that they continue to choke kershaw's not doing too great um so give me give me your overall thoughts and then chris i'll let you go ahead and um you know reply back to sway and give us wait, your wait, thoughts can i jump ball. in real quick so i'm a padres fan but i can't let you get away with saying the dodgers choke i mean they've been doing pretty freaking good 
You know what I mean? Like they've gotten their World Series. Like Ker- Kershaw's. But at the very the end, they choke, dude. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. just keep getting really far, and they don't always win. But I'm just—it's yeah. hard to say they choke. They're like basically the new Yankees, almost it seems. <laughs> yeah, he's saying that because I like the Yankees, man. man. Yeah, uh, here I'll give you my long take. So, the Dodgers, yeah, they got their 2020. That that was cool, right? But the last three years, they've just gotten their butt kicked and embarrassed during and with these exits during the playoffs. And right. we take a look at this here, and I think their biggest downfall is is that patient approach to hitting. So during a long season, 162 games, that's gonna it's gonna play out better than worse during that big sample size. You're playing bad teams, you're you're going against mm-hmm. varying levels of pitchers, you get the back end bullpen people, and you just spank them. Whereas it, it it's completely flipped during the playoffs. You're facing the best pitchers in the league. Uh, they're not gonna give you anything to hit, they're gonna target your weaknesses. They've scouted you pretty well. And then on top of that, the back end starters on that team are coming into the bullpen and then you get to the bullpen. So the patient approach doesn't work for the Dodgers in the playoffs. They got to attack. And you look at some of the teams that did really well, the Phillies, um, the Astros, the, the Rangers, they had people that just went there and punched that pitcher in the mouth on the first pitch. So wow. I got some stats here. We will take a look at this. Like the Phillies, the top three, uh, Schwarber, Turner and Harper. Combined for to, to, to bat for 314 with 13 home runs. Um, the Rangers, so Simeon, uh, Seager, Carter, and Garcia, batted 291 for 17 home runs. And then we look at the Dodgers, and they just crap the bed. So we had uh, Betts, Freeman. We won't even count Martinez, but we'll count. We'll do Betts, Freeman, and Muncie. They went three for 33 during those three games. No RBIs. Wow. And, and that's because they're they're waiting for that perfect pitch that they're not going to get. They're not going to get walked. These guys are throwing strikes. They're throwing gas. And, mm-hmm. yeah, just it just completely ruined their game plan. So the Dodgers got to attack going Is forward. that a new strategy, though? And is that strategy by the, the manager of the team? Or, like, what, what is your overall thoughts on that? Is, is, it, is it something they've been doing for many years over the past decade, or is it relatively new? I think it's since Corey Seager left. So 2020, we had Corey Seager. He's a notorious first pitch attacker. He'll go after that I first pitch that. more often or more than he doesn't. Uh, since then, we've done that patient approach. And, and even before that, just think of like 2017, which we should have won that. Our guys attacked, attacked, attacked. 2018, different story. But until they met the Red Sox, that was their approach. But mm. as soon as it lost Seager, I think that that culture, that that – that discipline, it went too far. Um, Interesting. So he really is a leader then, Corey Seager. Right? So there's there's the formula to win in the regular season and there's a formula to win in the playoffs. Do you think expanding the playoffs hurts the Dodgers? No, I don't think so because you're supposed to be the best team, right? The best team is going to find a way to win. The Dodgers, the Braves, they should have found a way to win those series. Mm -hmm. But their approach... They came in with a, a regular season approach into a do or die playoff. So, mm-hmm. and then of course you got to play good defense. You got to do all that kind right. of stuff. Right. Okay. Now, in in terms of like, um, actually, I want to I want to hold on to that terminology and apply it to sales in terms of the uh, first approach, uh, being aggressive on the first pitch, and whether in sales you should be aggressive at first or whether you should be patient. Uh, before you know, attacking and trying to get that lead and converting them into a sale. But before we go on to that, 
Um, I wanted to ask you about Otani, uh, considering if he gets traded because he's a free agent, right? Yeah. If he ends up getting traded to the Dodgers, do you think he would be filling in that role of a Corey Seager where he takes on that leadership role and he gets these people to be more aggressive on the first pitch? Or or is that not his way of uh, leading, I guess you could say? Or maybe he's not even a leader. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's not able to be a leader because of the language barrier. Yeah. But yeah. you, can, you can lead with results. You can lead with effort. I, I think that my fear is if we get Otani that they're going to give him that same – patient approach and we're not going to see him mm. smacking 40 home runs again it's going to go to like 30 uh, so I, I don't know like I, I would love to see him we'll welcome him with with open arms i just right. hope that if we can get him we change our approach that's interesting that was your question right andrew would they welcome him with open arms yeah would they and it sounds like i don't know i mean maybe the dodgers will the fan base but will sway open them you know take him with open arms i don't know it doesn't sound like it, it doesn't sound too convincing no, I would love to have him. I'm just okay. I'm just worried about what we'll do with him. We're not yeah. gonna and then of course we play it safe with the pitching and all that kind of stuff a year from now when he's able to pitch. Like how are we gonna balance that? It, it's right. it's it's something that no team's ever experienced before. So right, right, right. But would Mookie Betts, I mean, I thought he to an extent was like a leader too. So I'm a little bit disappointed to see that he hasn't really brought that A game now that you broke it down in that way, because I never thought of it that way. I didn't know it was a, a patient approach that they were taking. I, I just thought that the manager was doing a lot of bad, um, you know, strategies with the pitchers, but it's a new, you know, you opened a new door to me that I had no idea about, but that's also because I'm not a Dodger fan. So, yeah, <laughs> but even look at the pitching. So in those three games, they, uh -huh. the pitching starting pitchers got 13 outs, 13 outs. That's like uh, yeah. four innings, uh, and, and they allowed 13 runs. If, if you're batting, if, if you're not able to hit and your pitching sucks that way, you have no chance. And, and the Dodgers completely imploded. Well, I mean, you know, for me, I just I just look at it like, oh, sweet. Another person to come destroy Petco Park. You know, <laughs> I'm not excited about it. I wish they got more <laughs> bad players instead of good players. Yeah. Is there any possibility that Otani may actually go to like the Yankees, you think? Because that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm thinking Yankees, Giants, Mariners. Dodgers and maybe a wild card somewhere in there, like an up and coming team. Boston, Boston. Hey, yeah, really? Why Boston? I mean, if you watch four episodes back, Andrew, you'll know why I say Boston. But they have um, because <laughs> I, I kind of put it down in depth, you know. But uh, I what I basically <laughs> said was Dodgers, uh, Yankees, Boston, um, and then I'm just going to throw. Oh, I think I also said Angels, but I'm also just going to throw in the Padres for fun. Is that the wild card, maybe? Well, maybe. We have a big wallet all of a sudden, and uh, it hasn't panned out. As soon as they started spending money, we started losing. So, you know, who knows how it goes. Right. You know what? I'll give – I go to San Diego every now and then for work, and I try to go to games too. And that atmosphere there in Gaslamp when a Padres game is on, it it's like going to like one of those East Coast games where everybody's really? involved. It's so much fun. So – you know, I kind of want the Padres to do well just to be part of that fun environment, but not yeah. too well, right? Right, right. right. I mean, when we beat the Dodgers and it's a home game, it is it does feel like we won the World Series because everybody yeah. – I mean, this is our World Series every Dodgers game, you know? <laughs> I will give you guys both that. The, the Padres and the Dodgers know how to celebrate and make a game fun to an extent where it's like on the verge of being a little bit much, right, where – 
there be riots and things like that. The thing I've is actually like, never been to an Angels game before. Oh shit! Wow, you gotta go. Yeah, you do I mean, gotta go. It is dude. on the it is on the way on the Amtrak. I mean, I've thought about it. You know, it's very convenient to get there. Mm-hmm. It's you know, a nice quiet place. It's like a family oriented place. I, I feel like it's like a it's safe. That's what I like about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I feel go ahead. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, do you know of this uh Dodgers Instagram group where you can buy tickets? It's like a traveling group. I forget the name of it, it's like a number. The Pantone. Like yeah. Oh, what's what was that? Or something like that. Yeah, Pant Pantone. Yeah. Two ninety four. So I used to date a Dodgers fan, right? And she got tickets to a Padres game, right? And I didn't realize she got it from this thing called Pantone 294. And so I was just uh, a San Diego fan surrounded in a sea of <laughs> Dodgers fans, right? And the kicker is there were two games in the same day because they were trying to catch up. And earlier, the Padres had won. And so I figured, you know, we got our win out of the way, so now it's going to be their turn. But instead, we continued to win the rest of the day. And it was weird being surrounded by Dodgers fans because, you know, they're not taking it well. I'm the only person repping Padres in this <laughs> Dodgers island. So I just I had to figure out a way to sarcastically cheer because some people will kill you. You got to be careful out there. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but it, was, it was still fun winning around a bunch of sad people, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> so how did you sarcastically cheer, though? Because you tend to have a, a, a personality where you're oh, for the most part, sarcastic guy. So I feel like it's very easy for you to sarcastically cheer. Uh, well, every time the Padres time. would score, I would say, let's go Dodgers really loud. Oh, oh, oh that's and people wouldn't know. Like I was kind of talking, I was tricking them, you know. Oh, that's funny. Were you were you decked out in Padres gear too? Well, I just had a Padres hat on, but uh I didn't have like a jersey or anything. I, you know, and it was the blue, so from behind, you might think I was, you know, who knows, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Before Nobody really caught on. Uniform. You blended in there. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't I have I the... tricked the Dodgers fans, you know? <laughs> I don't have that bravery. Like, in sales, I'll have that bravery, right, to, like, get in there and, like, show myself. And even if I'm the, the only person in the room that's making a statement. But when it comes to going to a baseball game, I probably will not rep the other the team away from the home team, if that makes sense. So if I go to the Dodger game, I'm probably We're not going to wear the Dodger stadium. Uh, angel hat. I'm sorry, but we got to dispel this notion that Padres State Petco Park is Dodgers Stadium South. That's ridiculous. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of on that. <laughs> no, they, they like to claim like it's their stadium when they come through just because we don't want to go when they show up because we don't want to get shanked, you know? But, <laughs> That's fair. But I'll, but, I'll, but I'll go out there. Like I, I remember one time, um, like I don't know, it was like ten years ago, and I was cheering probably way too loud. Like I was trying to make a point, and this Padres, this older couple behind me, was like, "Hey, uh, you're gonna get yourself killed." And so, you know, I settled down after she said that to me. I mean, she was probably right. We were getting crazy, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's a crazy thing about Dodger fans. Like we travel really well, but don't handle loss very well. Mm. Well, I mean, and, and look, I was pushing it. You know, I knew what she was saying. I didn't think she was crazy. You know. <laughs> now I want to get into the sales aspect of things now, Sway. Um, if you can kind of explain a little bit about what you do there at your current position and how you came about to going from salesperson all the way to executive, because I remember meeting you and I was very, um, I learned a lot from you when we were working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car and mm -hmm. I always 
noticed and recognized you out of most salespeople that I meet on a daily basis. So if you can kind of just, um, you know, talk about that a little bit and how you went from salesperson to high level. Yeah. So my sales career started at enterprise and I always tell people, I think everybody should do two years at enterprise just so they could appreciate what they have uh, you. Right. For those that don't know, you just get your teeth kicked in for a few yep. years. You're working 60 hour weeks. Like you learn a lot. And then when you go on to your next job, when you're working 40 hours or less, this, everything's completely different. It's heaven. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm always thankful and grateful for my time that I spent at enterprise because I learned a lot, made great friends when I didn't know anybody here in SoCal. Um, yeah. And it kind of like set you up for success. If you're, if you're successful at, at enterprise, you'll, you'll be fine everywhere you go. So that's kind of how it started. Started enterprise, did really well, moved up really quick. Um, but what set me apart is one, obviously the, the numbers were there, but on, on top of that, like I went out of my way to help everybody. It, 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 and it was always proactive. I was never asked to do that stuff. If I saw somebody struggling, I went up there, talked to them, gave advice. But at that same time, coming in with like that, that open mind, like, hey, even though this person probably isn't great at this job, I could learn from that person. And you, you never know what you're going to get out of that. So that's always been my approach. Mm -hmm. um, like be a good individual contributor and then be that great politician. Because people, mm -hmm. people promote people that they, that they like. Wow. Uh, as opposed to somebody that's just, you know, results oriented. So right. if, you can, if you can master both, you're going to go far in life. Um, so I took that, I went to, after that, went to waste management was a waste management was an individual contributor. I liked the job, great company. There was just no room for growth. So that's mm -hmm. how I kind of landed this job is mm -hmm. I was approached by my first manager saying like, Hey, a lot of stuff's going to happen with this company. I don't know what it's going to be. We might be bought out by a company. We might go public, but something's going to open up a lot of management opportunities. So right. I was like, okay, I can jump on that. So I took that same philosophy, went in, hit the ground running, made sure everybody knew who I was, uh, helped everybody. I got a few presidents clubs and all that kind of stuff, but um, could have promoted a little earlier than that, but I didn't want to move to Fresno. I didn't want to move to like some <laughs> other place. I wanted, I loved LA. I wanted to, to hang tights in this nice weather. So um, mm -hmm. when that position did open up, it was a district sales manager. So you're just overseeing like six, seven people. Maybe I, I think I oversaw like nine at one time. So when that position opened up, I was naturally the the person that slid right in there. Um, but from there, it was like, it was tough that you had to manage your peers, people that you knew didn't really work or, or worked. I, I know there was guys that we would joke around. Like I, you know, I set myself up for success because I set the example, but I would talk to guys. I was like, hey, what are you doing? It's 11 o'clock. He calls me playing Call of Duty, playing basketball. <laughs> so um, it's a little weird dynamic when you go and you start managing your friends, start managing your peers. Uh, so yep. what I did is I, I burned it down and, and, and built it up. Uh, what do you mean by got that? got rid of all the people I didn't want to work and, and brought on people that I knew were going to be A players. Uh, I always bring on candidates or bring on people that have – Kind of like similar backgrounds, enterprise rent-a-car people and college athletes, hmm. or, or, or both. So I took that profile, implemented that, built a team. Within a year, we were that number one team. Uh, and then this position opened up as a regional sales director. So uh, now I oversee six sales teams, 
So like six sales Damn. managers and like 42, 43, something like that. So you manage about 50 people currently? I think it's like 42, 43. 40. So it sounds like you went the Deion Sanders route. Like it sounds like that's your strategy. Go there, you know, replace the team with people um, that you think will actually that want to do it, that want to be there. Yeah, exactly. And my philosophy is no C players. Uh, you, you have to have that mentality and be realistic is not everyone's going to be an A player. Mm-hmm. Some people just don't have it in them. But if you have A's and B's and no C's, things are going to be great for you. Did um, you say you have to have A's and B's or no B's and C's? No C's. So you're going to have A's and B's. Okay. Uh, but if there's no C players, if there's people that are engaged, people on board, people that want to promote, and if they don't want to promote, just do your job. Do the minimum you- stuff. Can you automatically tell right away who's an A player and who's a B player? Or does it take a while to figure that out? I think out? It, take, it, it takes a while because you got to get to know them. You got to look into their numbers. You got to look into what they do every day. Like, are they are they a good performer because they're kind of lucky? Or are they disciplined? And so, hey, they, they put themselves in a position to, right. to um, produce week after week, month over month, year over year. Um, Okay. So it takes a, lot so, of, so, a little bit to get oh, to know them. Well, I was going to ask, uh, so is commission alone not enough to motivate or weed out people? Like if people are not making money, they're going to leave. They're going to make more money. Some people will be incentivized. I know I would by selling more. Is that not the kind of structure you're working with over there? So the corporate world in California is a little different. Some people, some people are fine with just getting their base salary, just getting by like at the edge of their mm-hmm. teeth. Yep. Mm-hmm. So those I would consider the C players. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. just just to pause there, C players are the ones that are the ones that just want to get by. They don't really care if they make more. They just want to get that paycheck consistently and not really work more than they have to. Right? Am I yeah, right or I would consider, Yeah, I would consider a C player somebody that doesn't want to be better and someone that's not performing to the minimum standards, but doing nothing to get to that next level. Mm. Okay. So a B player could be someone that comes in and hits numbers just barely every week, but they're a good culture fit. Um, they're on board with every initiative that you have. They're they're good people, good team members. Uh, if they're hitting numbers, even if it's not by a lot, they're they're still valuable. Well, so likability. That's where the likability comes in. Where the work politics probably matters for the B player to stick around long enough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So but, what is like the biggest mistake you see salespeople make? Is that, I don't know if that's a um, too big of a question. No, no, I, I think that's a great question. So the common denominator that I've seen in, in, in my sales career uh, of like whether you're successful or not is do you prospect every day? If you don't prospect, if you're not filling that funnel, if you're not turning cold calls into warm leads, you're going to fail. Um, mm-hmm. but if, say, for example, I have our guys, if you spend an hour a day just prospecting and researching companies before you call them, and then we do like a, a phone block or a phone blitz every Monday, Wednesday, or, or a few other times a week. You're calling only warm people. So you know what they're doing. You know who to talk to. You know who to ask for. You know what they're, what I always say is like, take, um, have bullets in your chamber that you could fire at them when they're about to give you an objection. So you, you address that ob- objection before they mm-hmm. can state it. And you show like, hey, I've done the research before even calling you. This is why you should meet with me. And then if you meet with me, I just want to show you why and how I can make your life easier with this product, the service, whatever we're doing. 
Now that to me sounds like something that can be taught, right? In terms of like, mm -hmm. oh, hey, contribute an hour or two hours of your time researching before you contact these cold leads where it can become warm leads. But so that's good. But there's also an element I think that comes naturally, whether you have it or you don't. And do you think that's, I, that's my opinion. Do you think that's true? And then, and then the second question to that is, is there a way to break through that? Like if you're not the best at just talking to people, can you be taught to be really good at talking to people? I always told people in sales, like even from enterprise, like not everybody can physically lift, you know, 200 pounds over their head, but everyone can learn to listen and anyone, everyone can learn to respond accordingly. So it's all mental. Um, mm. You might have those mental barriers every now and then I could think of a few in my, my career, but for the most part, sales is a mental game. It's not physical. You choose to learn it or you don't. What I always tell people is you're going to be good at anything you like doing. You're just not yeah. going to be good at anything you don't like doing. And <laughs> exactly. if you're not like, if you're not a good speaker, it's because you don't like speaking. Yeah. Right. But at the same time though, I feel like in life, there's a lot of things we don't like to do that you have to do to get far. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where mm -hmm. ambition comes to play. So I, I see your point there, but at the same time, I think that's why I wanted to have you on today because I feel like, sales matters in everything dude like yeah. any job you have you got to sell yourself to the boss to your customers or acquiring new customers so um i guess my my next point is like do you think as a salesperson um are there natural salespeople in general i know i know you said about the 200 pound analogy but can you like if if, if you were going to start a new team today right um, and they're automatically C people. Do you think you can switch them over to A? Kind of like in Wolf yeah, of Wall Street. I think Street. it's possible, no. but there's so many barriers. And, and that one barrier is, is it will or skill? Like you have mm -hmm. to want things in life and things that aren't just going to be given to you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big distinguishing factor, which is, you know, whether you're successful in life or not, did you have the will to do the stuff that people didn't do? Were you, were you willing to give that extra 20% or not? And kind so of think about that. Term, will, will or skill. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to cut you off. But I, I, really, I really like will or skill. I think that that says so much. I know people who have will the skill, skill, the potential to do something, but just zero will. You know, they're not going to yeah. want to put the extra work in. I feel that a lot of these young people, too. I mean, we're pretty young. We're not super young, but like people a generation younger than us don't have that will. So I feel that there's going to be a burden or some type of headwind for the future when you're trying to build sales team. And I, I think that's like, for me, I want to start scaling soon and building on, you know, team members onto my team. But if they're young people, I feel that they're going to want to have things kind of handed to them in a way, rather than having that will and ambition to go out there and look for it. So is there any suggestions you would give to someone like myself that wants to essentially build a team, but they're surrounded by people that tend to not have that, you know, natural ability of wanting and growing ambition. How would yeah, you? I, I think that goes back to like how you were raised. Did you have good parents? Did they, they push you? And I feel like this generation has these soft parents, right? These, uh, I can go on a tangent here, but um, I think the male figure is being feminized <laughs> recently. <laughs> and yep. 
they're not like hard at home. They're not pushing their kids. They're not making them do stuff. They're not giving them responsibilities. And, you know, 10 years from now, that's going to be a major, major problem. Right. So if I'm building a team, I'm not going after these wimpy kids that think they deserve stuff. I'm going after those those people that have had a job before that have gotten their teeth kicked in. Um, I'm going after athletes. I'm going after people that have shown like they can overcome adversity and just weren't handed things in life. Uh, and that's one big thing I'm passionate about with my kids. Like I, I could see these other dads with this gentle parenting stuff. I was like, that shit does not work. Um, it's, not, it's not going to prepare your 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 kids to be real people. Uh, it, that's right. not real world stuff. And then when the real world hits them, it's going to hit them real hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and look, and now we all know that even when we were the younger generation the generation above us was saying we were the lazy generation. So there's some of that, but then there's also some, you know, definitely feminized men and just lazy. I think lazy would be the key word um, on, you know, the generation out there. But I still think that there's people who not only have grown up with values, like you said, but there's also people that have gotten close to going homeless that have a drive. There's also people that have lost things, you know, that yeah. now have a drive. There's people that have hit rock bottom before that have, are that are now rising up. And and also, like you said, college players, it's a, things like people who played sports, baseball, um, maybe they were in a, a very low division on a college, but they still have the drive. So I think there's a lot to pull, but there are, if we walk down the street, we'll see some lazy people out there, you know? Yeah. Look for people that have a chip on their shoulder. They have something yep. to prove that came, that, it, that came from dirt <laughs> and they have, you know, nothing to lose, but everything to gain. So what questions yeah, I mean, would I be asking well, if... If well, I'm interviewing people, well, I was going to ask you, Andrew, what drives you? Because ever since I've known you, you've been driven, you have values. What, what, what was the moment for you? But I think the answer is what Sway already alluded to. I've met your parents. I think you were raised with values and you've always been that way. You've always made like responsible decisions. And so it's just how you're raised. You know, I think that's a big contributor. Did I sum, um, sum you up right? I mean, Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had great parents and they, they definitely, um, they definitely raised me the right way. I think my dad was tough on me, like very tough when he needed to be probably how you are today sway with your kids. Um, but at the same time I was in a, in a setting with other, you know, family members that, you know, weren't that had that same treatment, but today they're, they're different than me. And I think there was always this innate nature of me to be very ambitious and hungry to be better and very competitive. So I think there, there's a natural tendency there. And then if you have the right parents that teach you values, you get sharpened and you get really good. If that makes sense. And, and I'll add on to that. Like when I worked with you over at Enterprise, you were something different. You always had <laughs> ideas. I remember you had that invention that you wouldn't tell anybody yeah. about for years and years. Yeah. And like the, I tell this story when somebody recommends or they're asking for a realtor and I recommend you. And I give that story of when you wanted to pitch your, your app idea to the, was that show that those, those, the realtor show that you were on? Million dollar listing LA. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's an equal coalition between that, Heather and I. He was really ambitious with this price, but today's our opportunity to test that. So you, I, the way you told me is like you. You pitched this meeting, but as soon as that meeting started, you just told me, hey, I lied to get in front of you. I want to be, you know, I want to be your apprentice. I want to learn from you. I want to do that stuff. Like that takes some major balls to do. I thought mm -hmm. that's one of the coolest stories I've heard. So that's why I don't hesitate to recommend you. 
Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Because of stuff like that. Yeah. So um, when I pitched that idea, I actually didn't mean it though. When I, just to get in the door, I had a call. Mm -hmm. I think I went through their secretary like three or four times. I don't remember the exact amount. It's been years now, but um, once I got to that stage, I did ask them for money, like a angel investment uh, for that idea when I was working with you. And then, um, unfortunately they, they said, you know what, we are interested, but we want to see more. Like I, I didn't have the app working yet at, the, at that time, running an app on the Apple app store was very hard to do. It's a bit easier now, a lot easier actually. But at that time they're like, we want to see a minimal viable product. So I said, great. Some time goes by, I come back and say, here's a minimal viable product. There it is. And they're like, oh, interesting. But I, then I said, but you know what? It's crashing. It's not going to work. So can I work for you? That's what happened. So hey, all right. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the whole story in a nutshell, but definitely I've always been ambitious, always had these ideas. I'm still working on more ideas to this day, to be honest with you, but I do appreciate you giving me those referrals. And I think that's very important as a salesperson to get referrals from people like you that has a, a great sphere of influence. Uh, and I appreciate you, you know, sending me over those clients and all that. And I remember when I met you at enterprise rent a car, out of all the people that were there, because I think I was 19 at the time. I think you were maybe 20, I don't know, out of college, 23, 24, maybe, right? At John Wayne Airport. Yeah, probably. So I was a little late starter, but yeah. Okay. Well, I, I was young. I was a teenager. I might have been 18. And I saw you. I was like, this guy is, is a badass. He knows what he's doing. Everybody likes him. Uh, he's a charmer. He's making people laugh. And I remember seeing you go out of your way to meet all these people on the team that were like, not even at your level, like, you know, in the hierarchy in corporate America, they were lower than you. And you still went out of your way to make, make friends with them. And everybody found you as a likable person. And I remember when you were teaching me a little bit about sales, it was about finding ways to be funny and build rapport. And that stuck with me. And if there's anything you can say to that extent to add on to it of how you can be a better salesperson by using humor or building rapport, any specific tips that you give your salespeople today and that you can give the audience today? Yeah, I say like everybody comes into a meeting, right? Not wanting to be sold. If you can break that wall down from the beginning and just mm -hmm. have it just a regular conversation between two regular people, uh, it's going to work out more often than not. Okay. Um, so that goes like you doing your research beforehand, knowing what you're going to talk about, having a game plan. And then use your surroundings. <clears throat> Do some research on that person. See where they went to school. Um, okay. People on your social media a little bit. Have things to talk about. Right. There's one thing yeah. I always to land big accounts. When I was a manager, like prior to this, and the individual contributor is, if I identified a large account, I would look up who that decision maker was, where they went to school, and I would handwrite them a letter with like a T-shirt or a mug of like UCLA <clears throat> or USC. And, and mail it to them and then say, I'm like, hey, I'm going to follow up with you next Tuesday or whatever. Enjoy your mug. Enjoy your shirt, whatever. Mm. Uh, and then call them. It's like, hey, did that shirt fit you? Or, hey, are you using that cup right now with your with your copy? And then that I felt like that was a way to get in front of people where other salespeople weren't doing. Um, and it was like maybe 20 bucks out of your pocket. But in the end, it's a couple thousand dollars of your paycheck. So Right. Mm -hmm. So it takes a little bit of money to make money in that way and being creative and going out of your way to actually do something like that. Cause I feel a lot of salespeople would be, or I've met salespeople that would feel uncomfortable doing something like that. So would that, that technically be a C player salesperson or what would that be? Is someone that's just not yeah. in the know? 
I would say like open or closed mouths don't get fed, right? Is that what they say? Yeah. If you're not mm-hmm. putting yourself out there, if you're not taking that shot, you're going to miss it every time. Um, the right. worst they can do is say no. And then your life's exactly the same as it was 10 minutes ago. Right. So let's, let's do a little um, scenario or a game here. Um, you said something that's very important. And I tell a lot of realtors when I, because well, I go door knocking, right? And they ask me, how do you, how do you like start the conversation? How do you get people to want to talk to you? And how are you not nervous? And I kind of do what you do, right? In terms of point something out or look at things, research them and, and see where you can have that rapport or some type of relationship or build on a story. You see my background here. There's a lot you can pick here to gain my interest, I would imagine, right? Yeah. So if, if, if I have a team uh, or a building, let's say I'm in a huge building that has a lot of recyclable uh, paper, right? Because that's what the business you're in, right? Stair recycling. Yeah. Okay. Let's say I have a, you already know a lot about me in, in that way. I have a massive building where I'm always constantly having to get rid of paper. How would you sell me on it right now? If, is, if, if it's okay with you, can we role play a little bit? Yeah. Like how would I set up that meeting and try to get to that close on the spot? No, let's, let's say we're doing a, let's say we're at the end of the podcast. It's over. Uh-huh. You've never met me, but you know, Chris. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, okay, well now's my opportunity. The cameras aren't rolling. It's not recording anymore. And you've been wanting to talk to me about getting my business. How would you do that? Probably start. I'm just looking at the back on the Batman. Like, Hey, I used to love Batman as a kid, but I always thought like, Hey, that Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. he was probably the best Batman. Um, what do you think? What do you think? George Clooney? Controversial. I like it. That's, that's very controversial. I like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so okay. So that's interesting. All right, then we can answer that question because it makes you think, right? And then no, the no, no. Let, that's down a little. That's good. Let, let's let's pretend, okay? Let's just pretend. Um, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but you've been under pressure your whole life, and I know you do good at this because you're the one that taught me, if anything. And I just want the audience to learn. So I don't know you, right? Let's pretend. And you asked me that question. I would tell you, heck no. Um, uh, Jesus and our, um, how the hell did I forget his name? Not Michael Keane. What's the other guy's name? The recent Christian Batman, Bale. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Sway. I think, you know, that's funny. You say that I grew up watching Batman my whole life and, and I've always loved Batman. As you can see behind me, I wanted to add something interesting to my wall. I'm very happy you pointed that out because I've spoken to people on multiple podcasts. Nobody talks about that. Um, with that said though, like, I think Christian Bale's better. I don't know about Michael Keane. Was a little bit. He was a little too scrawny. He, he didn't have the muscles like Christian Bale. You could tell he put in the weights, and I just kind of appreciate someone like that a little bit more. All right, all right. You know, I love Christian Bale too. He's probably one of my favorite actors. American Psycho is my yeah. favorite movie of all time. But I just think Christian Bale's voice, though, he does it a little too much as compared to like a a Michael Keaton who's. Batman's supposed to be just like a regular guy, just a rich guy, right? What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm waiting for you to slip it in though. When, when is he gonna <laughs> buy all your products? <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, I think it takes time, right? Yeah. So let, let's keep going though. Let's keep going. So that's hilarious. And by the way, what are you smoking? Is that a cigarette or what is that? It's the cigarellos that Ramsey sold us. Oh, by okay, the way, got it. Ram Ramsey's in a uh, Point Loma, the cigar shop. Great salesman. I want like you to tell us about that. Cigar. I want you to tell us about that after this role play. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's going to be important. So, okay, so 
Um, you know, I always sway. I always thought um, Batman was supposed to be someone that everybody looked up to the ladies, man, the buff guy, the rich guy. So I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's interesting take that you got there. Yeah, that's fair. You know, to each their own. Right. I guess. Yeah. But Hey, you know, since we're here, I, I, I kind of walked to your office, kind of see stuff right here. I see you have paper all over the place um, that people probably have access to. Um, mm. What do you typically do with that kind of stuff? Um, I have this one guy that comes in once a month. Um, we kind of put it against the wall, my team and I, and we just leave it there in this like bin that's locked. But um, I honestly don't think about it. How come you asked though? I was asking that because it's probably have some information you wouldn't want anyone outside of your your company to see, right? No, the heck no. I mean, I have some stuff I don't even want you to know. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> especially Chris over there, he's a he's a little he asks too many questions. So no, you're right. Yeah. Well, that, that's fair. But what if somebody did know what they were looking for and, and got into that? What could they do with that? They could take my whole company down. That's what they can do. Yeah. Like how? Like step-by-step, step, like how would that, that go? Um, you know, I never really thought of that. I've never wanted to think of that. Step-by-step, uh, step, um, geez. Hold That's on, Andrew. Thing. You're Andrew, you're not acting in a commercial for his sales business. Just want to remind you. Like, <laughs> you're, <laughs> what do you mean? Like you're reading the script here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Am I, am I acting like I'm reading a script here? Like I feel like you're trying to be strung along. Instead of just answering how you would actually answer, you know what I mean? Okay. From my perception. So, what do you just, think, Sway? Is, how's the role play going? Let's, let's, let's try go to make it real it. life. Like, what, what yeah. would you, hey, this is your business. Your livelihood depends on, on, on like the results of your business. Um, how would you react if a lot more was at stake like that? So, I mean, you can answer it any way you want. Right. How would you really answer it? I think you would really say, like, if he were to say, hey, look, what if someone gained got a hold of your information based on what they're looking at? What would you really say? I think the Andrew I know has a response, has a comeback to that. A real comeback. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even your know. Your comeback isn't like, oh my God, I don't know. What would I do? It's Honestly, no, I don't, I don't. I'm trying to put myself in a position of a of a of someone with a whole bunch of paperwork. So I'm just saying uh, so, so what, what I'm you. doing is do what lawyers do, like those leading questions, you know, some yeah, lawyers yeah, yeah. Will, We'll do these leading questions and the other lawyer will object like, hey, objection, leading question. So right, what right, I'm doing right. is I'm trying to paint a picture of the price of nonconformance, right? So it's more of you're telling me what could happen. And then I'm just gathering these bullets in my brain to fire off at the end when I'm trying to close you. Mm. Okay. So I'll then tell you right now, I, for me, the biggest challenge that I can tell is I, I could never be a salesperson and I really respect you. Like I've talked about before, my cousin's a salesman. I have so, so much respect for you guys. But for me, I am constantly aware that everyone in this conversation knows there's an objective and that I'm trying to achieve it. And that blocks me mentally from trying to get there because <laughs> I feel like I'm almost being disingenuous. So I would imagine you you are coming from a very pure place where you authentically believe that your product will help your clients out, that you know, the people you're pitching to and you have to get to that place and you have to almost take their mind off of what your objective is completely and mm -hmm. then present them with it, you know, as a solution. And that, that's a huge challenge. I mean, this is psychological combat in a way, right? Yep. So that's why you built, you break down that wall. So you're not on guard. Now we just mm -hmm. have a, 
a conversation about Christian right. Bale and Michael Keaton and right. who's better and who's worse. Well, you, then, you already gravitated my attention by pointing out Batman. You already you already made me, you know, get your perspective on why he's your guy's better than my guy. And then we talk about uh, the paperwork. So let me let me answer the question now. Hopefully, to uh, Chris's um, you know way of thinking. So let's say I say. Okay, so if my paperwork is compromised, I'm going to lose all my clients because they're going to tell me what kind of batshit bullshit am I pulling at my office, right? Like this mm -hmm. is bullshit. You're letting all my, you know, social security number, my my dollar amount, and my checking account out in the internet. So what would you say about that? So, so tell me, what would you want to change with that? If you know that it's the kind of stuff that could potentially happen in a perfect world, what would you do different? I don't know. I mean. As of right now, I just throw it in a bin, and some guy comes and takes it away. And I haven't really spoken to him much, but that's that's all I really know. That's it. Do you know where he takes it? Do you know what he does with it? Is just... I think there's like a distribution plan or something. I have no idea. Hmm. Is it like a secure thing, or is just kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm hoping and wishing he's doing the right thing? Honestly, I'm so busy, dude. I don't I don't really know, but I would imagine. I mean, aren't you guys all the same? Not, not really. If it's just a random guy, who knows what he's doing with it? Um, if but he he's a big name, though. Him. I think he's a big name. So what's his name? No, no, not his name, but his company's name. Oh, company. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, look at this. You, you don't have to buy from me or not, but if I showed you just a secure chain of custody where you could sleep well at night, knowing that this stuff is never going to see human eyes, and you have to do no work, is that something you'd you'd want to pursue? Maybe. I don't know. Probably. Okay. Well, look at this. All we do is provide you a container. It's locked. Um, you do no work. You just throw the paper in the container. You tell your team to do the same. You don't make any exceptions. Don't leave anything out in the open for anyone to see. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll come out here every Friday. We'll take it. Um, cool thing about us is everything's tracked to the second. We'll come out there. We'll, we'll take your information, doesn't see human eyes, just goes in the container, then it's brought to our truck, truck's GPS scanned, all that stuff. So we know every step our driver takes until it gets to our facility where it's destroyed. And then turns into toilet paper, paper towels, that kind hmm. of stuff. So. Recycled. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I, di I didn't really know it went to that process, but I mean, my guy's probably cheaper than you. I would imagine he's probably, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks cheaper, maybe a hundred bucks cheaper a month, I would imagine. So, like, do I really need to go to that extent and hire you, someone that's probably more expensive? Yeah, but is cheaper always better? Like, say, for example, if you're going to a Batman movie, do you want to watch it at home for free or do you want to go to IMAX? IMAX. Or... If you go running, are you wearing McGregor's or are you wearing Nikes? You know, I don't like Nike anymore because of the political <laughs> aspect. I wear New Balances now, but I, I, I get the gist of it. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, look, this is an easy process. This is what we'll do. Here's here's our paperwork. Um, it just needs your electronic signature. I'll be back next week, container. We'll make sure all that stuff's taken care of. You don't have to worry about anything. You do your job like you normally do, and this is out of sight, out of mind. But at the same time, everything's protected. Um, what do you say? But will it be you or are you going to have some minion come? Because, I, I mean, I feel like I talk to people like you high up and then I never talk to you. So how do I know you're going to be in touch with me, honestly? Oh, here's my cell phone. 
here's my direct line. Here's my email. Don't talk to customer service. I, I, if I'm if I'm going to put my face to something, I want you to always come to me. Um, like when you call customer service for anything, it's a nightmare, right? You're yeah. talking to somebody in the Philippines. You don't understand them. They give you a ticket. Whereas, hey, you call my cell phone. I'll, I'll help you out right away. Great. Done. Okay. That was good. Um, and well, Chris, first of all, was- I can tell you right now, this is not, these questions that he was asking, this is not going to be a customer that you want. He's going to be too much of a headache. He's asking if it's going to be you coming to pick up the recycle. This is going to be a problem. Get out of that business immediately. Yeah, it won't be me, but you know, in life is not a headache, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no, but uh, I, I think you did well because role playing is always weird. I mean, Sway knows this. I know this. It's just mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It's just weird, especially when I threw it on the spot for you. It seems like I was the bad one at role playing according to Chris's standards. No, but- no, 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 no. No, what I saw. I'm telling you, what I saw was I felt like you were basically underhand throwing them baseballs because you were you wanted him to be successful right but until the end I don't, but we know that he doesn't need underhand you know what yeah, i mean i know he's the goat he's a pro so and so that's what i'm well, saying that's what i saw originally got it. that was a good that was a good back and forth you know? what i like though sway is that you didn't come off um um defensive and i feel that a lot of salespeople, even when they're good they get defensive and they build up, they bring up this wall where they almost naturally want to fight with you. And I, I've done that too. And sometimes, um, and then I, I feel that that's when you lose them, you lose the customer. So how do you keep things light and subtle where you don't want to get upset when they're, you know, giving you so many rebuttals back and forth? I just have that approach. Like I'm going to present myself as if, Hey, you can go with me. That's awesome. Uh, if you choose not to go with me, I'm still okay. I'm not I'm not that person that's super aggressive and more consultative and I'm trying to help you instead of you know really pushing mm. really get like in sales they call like that commission breath right you can tell when someone's like desperately trying to get a sale and right. I, I try to present myself like I don't need this sale um, it's cool to talk to you but if you choose to not go with me I'll sleep I'll sleep the same at night whether you go with me or not awesome um I mean, look, like I said, I have so much respect for you and people in your profession. I, I know that it's not for me, right? I just know that. And I'll tell you, I am. there's nothing I buy from a salesman, okay? I will, yeah. if, if I know I need something, I'll do groundwork to avoid salesmen. So I'm like the worst. <laughs> for real? I didn't know that about you. Is that for real? Or are you just bullshitting yeah, like, right now? Like, no, no, no. Like, uh, you know, I've been to, I'll never go in my old cars or any place like that again. I'll always find an alternative just because... I feel like I'm going up against a lawyer against me without a lawyer. You understand what I'm saying? Like I'm going against the pros. You, when, whenever people, uh, defend, like, uh, represent themselves in court, we call those people idiots, right? That's kind of <laughs> what you're doing, going without representation against this. These people are trained. They're tactical. Now I'm not saying that I don't buy products from salesmen, but it's me calling them. I already know ahead of time that I want mm-hmm. their product. It's kind of like when I joined the Navy, I said, Hey, you don't got to sell me on anything. I want to go. So, you know, let's work out the best deal. But I, like, I, I know that I'm kind of underhanded in these situations because it, you know, they, they're spending a lot more time thinking about how to hook me than I am about how to defend myself against them. You know? So where would we categorize Chris in that aspect as a salesperson and someone that to your um stature of uh 
of leadership. Would you tell your team members to not focus on people like Chris, or is there a certain element of strategy that we need to deploy on him? Chris is going to find a way to get the best deal. And he, he's right. Salesmen are specifically trained to every single dollar out of you, right? And mm -hmm. you're probably just spinning your wheels if you're going after it, Chris. I, I, well, I and look, and to be fair, <laughs> me too, I agree with you. <laughs> well, look, and to, be, to be fair, I'm also, you know, if you're if you're running a business, your goal should be maximizing your profits. Obviously, not doing anything unethical of that nature, but it's like we're all trying to do that same thing. And I will actually spend more money, knowing that I don't have to do a lot of with the relationship with the salesperson, especially in regards to my company. If they're going to take care of take care of me without a lot of headache, I'll like sign my company up for more money that they would pay just so I have. I don't have to worry about doing a lot of forms or a lot of extra work. Like we're giving you the money. Don't make it a chore for me, you know? And so I'll even pay more money, you know, just depending on the relationship. I just want it to be smooth. I don't want it to just be a headache. And if the product's good and consistent, um, then I'm going to stick around. It's, so I know, feel like I already know how I would sell you then. It would be more on service. Make your life convenient is what it sounds So like. service, is, yeah, service is what I would normally uh, deal with. And if it's just easy... And the money's flowing, you know, we'll we'll be great together. In fact, I, you know, one of the one of my vendors is enterprise truck rental. So not the reg regular enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. And with them, we have a great relationship. In fact, when you were talking about how hard you work, I know for a fact that those guys work from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. And it's not mm -hmm. like there's two shifts. And so yeah. I was just having a conversation with one of them over here about it about how many hours he works and he works crazy hours and he works really hard. And okay, so, so then I would mean, be a good company that I would reference of no headache at all, pay a ton of money and all of our problems are solved. And these guys do basically whatever I want them to do, which is not a lot. I don't ask a lot, you know? Right. I already feel that um, you were just coming off very strong and giving a, a negative to us type of salespeople that I think a lot of it was, a lot of it was fluff. So it just, it, I, I think we no, can sell you. I'm that. saying I seek the salespeople. <laughs> if they're going to seek me, I'm going to leave. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. I understand. Maybe I'm playing hard I understand. Get, but I just, I, you're playing hard. I kind of know what I want when I'm looking, when I'm talking to them. But right. if I start the conversation, not knowing what I want, it's a, it's a very bad play. Cause mm -hmm. you're going to end up with some shit that you don't, you haven't researched. You're going to end up with some stuff that maybe it isn't exactly what you needed at all. If you show up there researched, it's an easy conversation for everybody. So that's interesting. You're saying that because um, you kind of play hard to get. And as a mirror, right, in, in sales, you probably want to mirror, Chris, where we're not desperate for the business, which is kind of yeah. what Sway was proving when he was doing the role play with me, where he was getting defensive and wasn't like desperate to get the sale on the commission base. And that's kind of a good segue to to like what I wanted to tell you, talk to you about and ask you if this is a good strategy. So I've never been a salesperson, like in terms of, I never thought I was going to be a good salesperson. I'm an introvert. I don't really care to do sales, at least when I started. Um, but I've always been competitive. As Chris pointed out, he's met by parents. He knows I'm a very competitive person. I was, I had some values, but there was times when I, when I was single, I would go to the bars and I had friends with me and, and cousins, whatever. And I remember this one moment where I was 
some of them were acting stupid, right? Like, oh, I could get all the girls and I could do all that <laughs> bullshit type of thing. And I said, you know what? Let's let's do a bet, see how many phone numbers we can get. And I'm not saying I'm the best looking guy out of that group, but I ended up getting the most phone numbers at the end of the night. I got four phone numbers in the matter of like three and a half hours or three hours, I think. And some of the guys got zero. And the guy I was really competing with got two. So when I go into the, the space of being a salesperson, when I go out, I always go to the bars and I, I always think of that in my mind, like, okay, go back to that moment where you won and you did well in front of these guys that you thought were probably going to do better than you. And I go into that mentality where when I go to a bar, I try and pick up clients as if I was trying to pick up a girl when I was yeah. a single person, which obviously I don't do anymore because I'm married, but I go out there and I get clients now through the bars trying to get phone numbers. So my question to you with that backstory is if I'm trying to build a team, granted, I have a bunch of young guys under me, right. That I want to put them through a test, a litmus test to see how good they are. And they're all single. Let's assume they're all single. And I know they're single. Would that be a good way to throw them in there and see, okay, these guys have no experience in real estate. So I don't want to role play with them right now. I just want to see if they have the ability to get phone numbers. Is that a good way to do it? Uh, maybe. I mean, some people are more charming. Some people are not. I, I don't know if I would, I would take that approach. Um, if I'm really looking for killers, I I'm talking to people with those kind of backgrounds, but then I'm, when I'm talking to them, I'm not dig. I'm not talking about like, or asking them questions about what they would do. I want to know what they did do. Like, what does your past look like? Cause past behaviors indicative of future results. Mm-hmm. And, and if you were, if you've been disciplined all your life, you're most likely going to continue that. Um, so when I'm when I'm interviewing a candidate, when I'm like looking for new people, that's what I'm looking for when doing the interview. Like, what what did you do every day? Show me your calendar. Um, tell me how you ranked amongst your peers and why. Like, if you weren't number one, who was number one, and why were they in that position, and why weren't you? What do they do differently than you? Mm-hmm. So that that's the route I would go. Because um, people especially if you're looking for sales guys, most salespeople are likable and they could charm you into an, in an interview and that could right. lead to a bad hire. And but that's, that's you doing the questions back and forth. So it sounds like you ask questions where they have to explain the step-by-step, but I'm asking in terms of like actually seeing them rather than mm-hmm. saying, sell me this iPhone right now, sell me this iPhone in the interview. Like, is there any specific way to, approach it where you actually see them do the the work rather than them explaining their past that will lead you to the future expectations from them but is there a certain you know component that you do where you actually put them at play and see where they go um kind of the movies it's kind of go astray sometimes especially in an interview but i think one way to to like weed out the the bullshit right that people are going to feed you is have them come into an interview with a brag book something physical that showed like hey this person actually got this result won this award did that and then you can also look at their presentation skills because Mm. i always think in an interview you're probably seeing this person the best they ever will be uh and then if if they don't look good in front of you they're probably not going to look good in front of customers so I think you have to take a lot of the chance out of it and really, really dig into past behavior, past results. Um, Cause I'm always scared of getting that bad hire. Cause they always say, 
you hire your own problems. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Makes sense. I'll give you an example. Like one of my one of my DSMs last week interviewed a guy, and he made him do a role play. And then after that role play, that guy says, "You know what? I don't want to do this." <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, he ended the interview right there. So it, it can weed people out as well. But I even talked to him. I was like, well, what question did you ask him before that? And he was just kind of giving his story, what, what he would do. He's a hard worker, blah, blah, blah. But I think if he would have dug into his past a little bit, that's probably not somebody we should have interviewed in the first place. Right, right. Interesting. Okay. I, I fully get that. That makes sense. Um, a few last questions before we get going. Um, how do you find a leader from a sales group where there's like that succession planning where you want to, you're at the very top, but you want a couple sales leaders beneath you to manage all the salespeople below you. Like, how do you go about building that team? So I think like, you don't leave it the chance you, you as a leader, me say, for example, you, you have to be an empowering leader. And what an empowering leader does is a leader that creates leaders that leads leaders and, and so on, however many layers there are. And, and by doing that, you delegate a lot. You give people responsibilities. Um, you, you make them learn on the fly. Let them learn like through mistakes and minimize that learning curve. So when they do take my role, that there's almost no like bad transition time. So instead of just waiting for a leader to emerge is you build everybody. Uh, and, and that's kind of my approach. Like I, I give away a lot of responsibilities. I have them manage up. I have them do my job. And then I try to do my boss's job. Uh, uh, and, and, it, and, it, and it leads to that next player up mentality. If something opens up, you know, in the corporate world, things change like real, real quick. Um, you have to have people on the bench ready to go so that the company doesn't miss a step if they have a new person. So you have to like be very, very proactive in building everybody that you come in contact with. Well, you know, when he's talking about leadership, you know, one scene that I always think of when it comes to leadership is, I don't know if you guys uh, watched Better Call Saul. Did either of you watch that? No. No? Oh. Well, I guess I can't use this as a reference. But <laughs> there's, this guy, there's this character name, and you can uh, add this video over. I'll, I'll send you the link. But his name is Lalo Salamanca. And he's basically kind of like a, an uncle in the cartel. And oh, Wow he doesn't really take people's word for things. He, he always says, show me, show me. Okay. Show me. Someone will say, Hey, look, the dealer, the dealers got robbed again, or there's, there's a police show me. He's always saying, show me people come report information to him. And he says, show me, take me over there. And he'll go to a situation. He's not afraid to take over the situation, but he's also trying to influence other people to be the ones to take over those situations. And I know it's a weird, reference to say this cartel guy is a uh, you know the example of a leader but i did see that in it you know in that character and you know there's so many examples of it you know we when we watch sports we see examples of, there's just a, a whole team full of leaders right that are there um but i think that show me when people report things to you when your uh, subordinates come in and say things to you don't just take their word for it get involved with what they say and like you were saying uh, well what andrew was saying about you you'll go out there no matter where they are on the totem pole you'll talk to them welcome them in because leadership is really a, a social process of influencing change towards a common objective right and that's what we're really trying to do. it is a social process it's like being at the bar almost but you're not drinking you know 
You're trying to influence people socially to do what you need them to do. And, you know, leading by example is one of the best ways to do that. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I took a lot away from this um, uh, with you on this podcast this way. So thank you. I appreciate it. I hope the listeners, you know, took something away with it because um, I've, I've been thinking about how to build a team. So in a way, this is like a selfish way of me, like learning from you, but having the audience also learn. But I like the idea of giving people tasks and, you know, responsibilities to take on and see how they do. So one last question is when you're giving them these responsibilities, if you give them a certain amount of responsibilities and tasks to do to take upon themselves to be the leader under you while they lead other people, is there a certain amount of uh, tasks that you need to give them before you're like, you know what, this guy just keeps messing up, I'm done? No, because if it gets that situation, that's my fault, right? Um, mm. You can't give them too much. You got to make sure like, hey, I'm going to give you this thing. Once you get good at it and perfect it, pass it on to other, others, and then you have them do the same. Uh, I, I feel like once you're a kind of a leader or a manager under me, you've proven that you have the ability, the will to do these things. So I'm not going to let you fail. Wow. Spoken like a true leader, taking responsibility all the way. Very good. That's see, that's what separates you from most people. I Appreciate hope everybody, it, you know, took away a lot from here and can learn on the sales aspect. Thank you, Sway, for your time. I really appreciate you. Everybody go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe to the Full Count Podcast uh, channel. We're on YouTube and we're also on Instagram and TikTok. So do that. Thank you very much. It was good meeting you, Sway. You too.